What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Other Side of the Firewall podcast, where we talk about the latest and greatest in cybersecurity news, as well as we highlight those movers and shakers and glass ceiling breakers, those people of color who've made it to the other side of the proverbial firewall. My name is Ryan Williams, and as always, I'm joined by Shannon Tynes. What's up? What's up? And LeVon Maynard. Hey, welcome to the show. And special guest, Gabe. So Mr. Davis from SZA. Hey, uh, hello, everyone. Thanks for having me onto the uh, onto the show. Very happy to be here, as uh, as he stated, Gabriel Davis from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. So awesome! Thank you for uh, for coming in to uh, to the podcast. So this is the Wednesday discussion episode, but it's like a hybrid, right? So we're not only going to be discussing a topic, but we'll also be talking to Mr. Davis about uh, his job, his background, things of that nature. So definitely going to be an exciting episode. And uh, without further ado, I give it to you, Mr. Davis. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, again for having me on, uh, audience. Uh, very happy to be here. So uh, as previously stated, from the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, uh, a little bit about my background. I'm a proud graduate of a historically Black college and university, Savannah State University down in Savannah, Georgia. Go Tigers. Uh, upon uh, graduating, I did a few years in the Army as a signal officer, and that's where I got my passion for uh everything networking and cybersecurity. And doing that for a few years, gained some certifications, got a lot of experience, met a host of wonderful people, uh, moved on to uh, do some federal work at the Department of Homeland Security, particularly the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. All right, that's what's up. So um, when it comes to your transition, so why, why from uh, signal officer to cyber? So uh, a, a lot of it was, you know, personal reasons, right? Uh, everybody knows that the, uh, the military is a very taxing uh, occupation, uh, if I could put it that way. Um, but it was just time to move on to, uh, to another challenge, another task. Um, again, I cannot uh, ask for more from the military from the time that I spent there. Learned a lot, met a lot of wonderful people, some of the most intelligent people I've ever met in my life. Uh, some of the best people I've ever met in my life in the military, got to see the world and experience a lot of different things. Um, but it was just time to move on to to another challenge and another opportunity. And SISA provided that to me. Uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed reading about the mission that they were undertaking. And I thought that would be a great place for me to uh, to bring my expertise and experience. No, that's awesome. Uh, so before we move on to uh, a day in a life at SISA, uh, ask you what was your first cert? So everybody has a first, right? So it's like Very like first the first cert. kiss. <laughs> so that would be Network Plus back in two thousand fourteen. There it is. That that's okay. So yeah, now we're talking, right? That's my bread and butter. So that was, that was my first as well. So I, I can appreciate that. Um, so uh, if you can take us through uh, kind of like a day in the life at SZA, like how how you do what you do. Okay, so I'm going to start from the top and work my way down, if that's all right. Uh, no, absolutely. So, so CISA is, uh, has a very broad mission. Um, you know, our motto is defend today, secure tomorrow. Um, and what that has to do with this, about those threats that we face in the digital and physical world, uh, man-made, technological, natural. Um, and obviously, these are pretty complex. What we're seeing, though, is day by day that these uh, 
threat actors and these vulnerabilities and all of these different risks are evolving. They're becoming more diverse. They're becoming more prolific. Um, when we're talking about the internet of things, everything from your microwave to your refrigerator, your doorbell, your HVAC, all has an IP address connected to the internet at some point. As, we're, as we see the expansion of the cybersecurity, uh, as the cybersecurity landscape, we realize that we need to do more as a nation to make sure that we're providing the appropriate security to uh, the citizens of the United States, our key stakeholders, state, local, tribal, territorial governments, federal uh, entities, and private organizations as well. Moving right along into the cybersecurity division where I work at CISA. We are particularly focused in my, uh, my work, particularly focused at looking at vulnerabilities, both physical and cyber, um, both physical and cyber uh, vulnerabilities and how they are attributed to specific devices and their prevalence across the network. What we're trying to ensure that we're doing uh, as part of my work, we're trying to get to the vulnerabilities before threat actors can get to them. You know, uh, we're, there, are different org there are different groups within CISA that have many different functions. And when people hear about cybersecurity, cyber actions, they immediately think, you know, keyboard smashing, you know, red team versus blue team, you know, fighting in cyberspace. And there is that, that does exist. But I would say that that is not the big picture. The big picture is eliminating vulnerabilities before they can be compromised. Prevention and mitigation and resilience is where we should be operating primarily. Okay, that's awesome. So I, I like the, the proactive approach versus reactive because we talk about that every week, how we're so behind the ball, at least uh, the, the bigger picture, right? Like it seems as though everybody has more time to hack than they have uh, time to secure. Uh, so that's definitely, I, I appreciate that initiative. Uh, uh, so to kind of follow up, what, what if someone wanted to um, pretty much um, be in a position like yours, what would be the, uh, I guess, the first step and what would be the type of experience they would need to uh, fulfill a role uh, such as yours as CISA? That's a very interesting question, right? Um, I'm a firm believer in not having a standard uh, background to achieve your goal. Um, and I say that uh, wholeheartedly in that, you know, I'm not necessarily, I don't have a cyber background, so to speak. Um, my undergraduate degrees in, in mathematics. Um, so I transitioned into the field because it interested me. I saw that it provided great opportunities and it's something I wanted to do. With that being said, if you're a non-STEM, if you have a non-STEM background, that doesn't mean that you're unqualified to participate in this, uh, in this field. In fact, I would encourage you, if this is your place of interest, to pursue it. Um, and I say that because not only when we think about diversity, it's not necessarily a diversity of people and how they look and um, you know, their experiences that plays into it, but also a diversity of thought. We need to make sure that when we get into these groups, we're not all coming from the same background with the same training and the same experiences because now all we've created is an echo chamber and we haven't truly created a diverse environment because everyone's thinking the same way. 
And as we're seeing in life right now, especially in the cybersecurity realm, we are dealing with a lot of different types of compromises, threat actors, and different personnel who are trying to bring harm to the nation's infrastructure and our networks. So what we need is we need people to think about things that maybe we haven't thought about them previously. So if someone on the if someone listening right now is saying to themselves, I really would like to work for CIVA one day, or I want to uh, get into the cybersecurity field, I would say to start learning more, take, take the time out to learn the basics, maybe get a certification or two, learn about what is going on in the field, become well-versed in, in the activities that are uh, occurring. I would put less credence on whether or not you have the appropriate degree program that matches what we assume to be the typical cybersecurity uh, professional. That's, no, that's definitely yeah. interesting. So, yeah, so, go, go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, Gabe, that's that good to hear, man, because I know Ryan has talked about how people have reached out to him from all different types of backgrounds, you know, trying to get into the cyber game. Like he's had people that have been lawyers, you know what I mean? People that just don't have the same type of, like, like, like what you're talking about, come from a STEM program or something like that. So it's good to hear somebody that's, that's in the know, that's in an area that, that deals with what we talk about, say, yeah, we want, the, we want the diverse thought. We don't want the echo chamber. You know what I mean? That's, that's awesome. That's good to hear. Absolutely. And, and again, this isn't you know, filler. I'm not saying this because it sounds good. This is something that I experience uh, day to day when I'm working with different personnel or working across different groups. Um, cybersecurity is a, is a team effort. Um, you know, Director Easterly uh, made that comment uh, on Twitter very recently as we put out a recent uh, CA on, waste, on water and wastewater. Um, that was an effort between the EPA, uh, the NSA, FBI, and, uh, and CISA. So again, there's different aspects. There's a lot of different moving parts there. And if people are saying this, so EPA, why is the EPA involved? Again, diversity of thought, diversity of effort. We need to make sure that we're thinking about this holistically because cyber affects us all in very different ways. And if you think about the EPA, talking about wastewater and wastewater, I would want them to be in that conversation, right, to ensure that we're providing the appropriate information, the appropriate facts and mitigation strategies to, to ensure, to empower, you know, not necessarily ensure, to empower, you know, state, local, uh, private, federal entities to uh, find themselves in a secure environment. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, yes. So for those who are listening, like, don't be intimidated. Like you see a lot of people like, oh, I don't know how to get into cyber if I'm really interested. Well, it, I mean, you can bring your, your uh, unique experience and your qualifications to the table as well. Uh, and it's only going to expand from here, right? Like cyber is only going to get bigger, especially with the, the threats that we now uh, see and can project for the future, which I, I do want to talk about um, later on in the conversation about what you see on the radar um, uh, coming up. Uh, but before we go into... Um, uh, specifically the, the Biden um, administration signing the cybersecurity uh, uh, act into law, the, the K through 12 cybersecurity act uh, that directs CISA to study cybersecurity risks related to schools and develop recommendations as well as toolkits to help educators. So this article came from ZDNet. Uh, but before we jump in that, uh, uh, does anybody else have any, any um, background questions before we, we move, move along? 
take your silence as a no. Oh, no, he covered it. He covered it pretty good. No, it was good. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, he did. He covered it very well. I'm, I'm trying to think of anything like off top, top the dome, but I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's very cool to see somebody like Gabriel come from like a, a military background, not focus centric, you know, centralized on uh, cybersecurity, but actually moving into that field. And, and moving into like a, a pretty substantial company or a company uh, uh, organization as the uh, as CISA um, is well well known and well respected. And I think uh, I have a lot of respect for Gabriel for making that transition and getting and landing that position as well. So I think that's uh, that's a, a really uh, uh, you know a really uh, important and very very um, applause worthy like accomplishment. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it goes into what we talk about, you know, from week to week. Like we, we want to talk about HBCUs. We want to talk about the STEM programs that bring them in um, to the field and what have you. And then now we have a prime example of of uh, how it works. You know, like the diversity. Like, I'm not saying every industry uh, is is on the diversity tip, but I, I see cyber is is is, is booming. You know, like uh, hopefully in the years to come, we won't just be seven percent. Like like I always say, we'll be seventy percent. We'll be diver- diversity on the other side. Um, now, but maybe I can ask this real quick too. Just um, okay. I, I think you guys kind of touched on on it earlier. But as far as you as you see Gabriel in your uh, maybe in your day to day, do you feel like um, is there is there a good representation of uh, people of color at at the at Scissor? Do you feel like maybe you know maybe it can be a little bit more? Maybe we need to uh, put a little bit more effort in uh, as far as uh, um, you know people of color making it making uh, I guess a step forward into that into that cybersecurity field and maybe you know landing that that scissor position somewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm I, I'm going to uh I am going to take a note from from our director, uh, director Easterly, um and say not enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh she was recently asked at a CBS interview about diversity and having more women uh in the field, which is another place where that's a big to, one, yeah. Where we need to do better in uh in diversifying our workforce. And I'm gonna say not enough, right? The specific numbers, I would say, are I, I, not only do I not know the specific numbers, I would say that they're not as important as building the team in such a way that we don't necessarily have to count anymore, right? Because that's the intent. The intent is to get to a place where now I don't need to know the statistics. It's I feel represented. I feel like I belong. And, right. But to your point, I feel like I belong every day at Sydney. Mm-hmm. that's a good point that's, that's, awesome. that's a really good uh <laughs> that's a good point to make as well and that's that you feel that you belong and that you're not uh i don't know uh excluded from conversations because people think that maybe you know uh you don't know what you're talking about or that you're uh you don't look like us so maybe we shouldn't bring up this topic to uh, gabriel but i think that's really important that you feel you know you feel that way and i think that's important uh feeling to have at a, at a job um that you're not being excluded um everything you know inclusion is a big part um, part of the the company I work for as well, so I think it's uh, 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 you know something that that we need to keep note of and make sure that we're we're con- conscious of that and that we're being uh, respectful to other people. Absolutely, uh, I I will credit SZA, uh unlike any other organization in that I have seen the the effort that goes into doing doing what's necessary organizationally to to create that type of environment, right? As an organization, we can't hold CISA accountable for every individual action. I don't think that's fair in any organization for an individual's uh, you know, point of view or their action in the workplace. But I think creating the right environments are important. Um, 
And I have to, I feel that SZA has, has done that, has at least put the effort forward and it's not just lip service. Excellent. That's awesome. All right. So moving along into the, uh, the article. So uh, this is a ZDNet article written by Jonathan uh, Gregg. Uh, it dropped on the 12th. It was pretty timely. So this is when we were booking you, it actually popped up. So I was like, okay, this, this is perfect. It gives us um, a good pivot point uh, to discuss. So the bipartisan uh, bill that passed, uh, which there aren't many bipartisan bills that are passing right now, uh, deals with cybersecurity experts um, working uh, the K-12 through Cybersecurity Act um, that is supposed to give them uh, a good assessment of the, uh, the threat environment, as well as tools to mitigate the threat. It also states that there are hundreds of cyber attacks against schools, uh, especially uh, post, I can't really say post pandemic, right? Cause we're still going through it, but uh, in, in the midst of the pandemic, uh, things are not getting better in, in that regard. Um, so, uh, you know, I shared an article with you. I'm sure you're already abreast of, of the, uh, the conversation that's taking place. Um, what are your thoughts? So um, when, in terms of the pandemic, right, uh, it's safe to say that we've increased the amount of uh, remote work uh, in, our, in the entire nation. More people are using their uh, internet-connected devices to do more things uh, throughout the pandemic, which in turn you know, increases our risk exposure. With that being said, um, I appreciate what this, uh, what this law is, is attempting to do by directing some resources at a specific issue. Um, what I will say though, to, uh, to my state and local uh, partners that are listening right now, CISA, does, CISA has already been taking these actions on um, even in the time that I've been there. So one of the key roles at CISA is to be the nation's risk advisor, right? And to provide you know, that consolidated vulnerability threat and impact information to all of its stakeholders, which include, uh, as I stated, state, local, tribal, territorial governments, um, even those that are less mature than some of the others, right? We tailor that information by looking at the specific um, locality, municipality, and ensuring that it's something that they can implement. We wouldn't necessarily uh, provide the same information that we would, you know, to LA County, that we would, you know, Washington County in uh, Ohio or something like that. They're different places. They're different parts of the country. There are different uh, risk exposures, and there's different problems. There's different uh, personnel that work there. There's different financial expenditures, which is a huge deal when it comes to implementing cybersecurity efforts. Um, I'm a firm believer that you can't buy your way out of, you know, out of risk. There has to be cultural change within your organization that will have the greatest impact when it comes to, uh, to reducing your risk in an organization. Um, with that being said, to this, again, state, local, tribal, territorial, uh, you know, listeners, if your uh, entity is not signed up for CISA's no-cost uh, services, I would encourage you to do that at CISA.gov and to uh, sign up for things like cyber hygiene, which provides vulnerability uh, scanning on your networks. And we do that for federal uh, civilian executive branch organizations, excuse me, agencies. We do that for state, local, tribal, territorial governments. We also do that for uh, private critical infrastructure uh, organizations. So again, if your 
entity uh, falls within the 55 national critical functions or the 16 uh, critical infrastructure critical infrastructure sectors, I would highly encourage you to visit uh, CISA.gov and look into cyber hygiene and some of the other uh, some of the other products that CISA offers at, again at no cost uh, to the user because we're a federal agency that's here to advise uh, to advise those on their risk exposure, vulnerability exposure, threat actor information, and ensure that we're just providing a safer environment for everyone in our cyber community. No, that's awesome, man. That's a good advertisement. Because even in the article, it stated that there were some concerns about uh, uh, districts or or school, um, I should say school districts, uh, that are a little bit, uh, uh, I don't want to say the word poor, but uh, they have less funds to expend on such resources. Uh, but you stated that this is free. It's a free service. All they have to do is uh, go to the website to find out what you know their left and right limits are for uh, for asking for uh, for uh, for help. Absolutely, so, uh, I think that's awesome. I highly encourage, highly encourage them to do that. Um, you know, uh, as a part of the service, you'll receive uh, regular scanning uh, of your network uh, when you provide the, that information to CISA. You receive regular scanning. If there is a new disclosure of a uh, vulnerability, you'll be one of the first to know when we know because um, we're constantly doing the scanning. So you'll be effectively have some of the some of the same resources that we provide some of our you know larger federal agencies. Um, and if that sounds like a good deal, it really is, you know, it, it, it's supposed to sound like a good deal if you're right. you know, a, a local government to say, man, I could you know have these resources that you know the federal government is allocating to me. All I have to do is sign up and it's all you have to do is sign up at this. It is no cost. No, that's awesome. Uh, so with that being said, um, with, with you guys, uh, you know, having the ability to kind of see the bigger picture, right? So that way you can, you can share this, this information, these resources with these schools to, to better protect them. Uh, what, what is one of the bigger threats on your radar right now? So uh, I don't want to get into, you know, threat, Threats, particularly, uh, that's outside of my scope, right? I'm, I got so you. I'm, I've worked more on the vulnerability side. Um, okay. So for a specific threat uh, conversation, I, I unfortunately wouldn't be able to give you uh, a lot of, you know, information on that. I would have to defer you to maybe some of the law enforcement uh, agencies, you know, within within the government. Um, gotcha. But on the vulnerability side, you know, what we're seeing, uh, kind of like I said before, is just prevalence of you know, vulnerable devices that are existing um, just in the, on the open internet. Uh, so one of the other initiatives that we have at CISA right now is uh, get your stuff off search. And uh, what that initiative is, supposed to, is doing is it's drawing attention to the fact that if I were to go into one of the open source searching tools, uh, you know, like Shodan, Census, Thinkful, you know, I could very easily find, you know, devices that I should not be able to see on the open internet from an external uh, scan. But we're seeing that, we're seeing tens of thousands of these devices. And, you know, I'm kind of a, a story uh, that I could share with you. Um, so when I used, to, I used to work a lot with my, with my dad as a, as a younger child, as a child, or I shouldn't say as a child, as a younger man. <laughs> as a young man, I used to work 
with, with my dad a lot. Um, and he'd always, we'd always have a lot of tools and he'd always give me a blanket and tell me to cover the tools up. And um, today, right now, I understand very, very, uh, you know, wholeheartedly why he was doing that. And he used to always say, you can't steal what you can't see. And that is the premise behind get your stuff off search. I don't know that you have that you're hosting a vulnerable device at this IP address. How will I compromise it? No, oh, that's that's a good analogy. Yeah, we have to we have to be very cognizant of the fact that a lot of these uh, compromises, these these crimes, are crimes of convenience. Um, there's someone who found some you know proof of concept code on the internet, and now they want to test it out on somebody. Right. And that's not the end all be all, right? That there are you know specific threat actors that we need to be aware of, but at the same time, do you want to be the test case? For somebody who is trying to figure out how to do it or do you want to be the victim of a threat actor i would say no simple way to do that get your stuff off search uh, that's a that's a, a great tip uh especially for those people who don't have the robust services right they can't necessarily hire a visas or have a have a team but uh just maybe you have a, a private business or something like that like that that's a good rule of thumb. Uh, and it also goes into your your home, right? Because everybody's home is is uh, quote unquote smart now. Uh, and I, I'm sure I'm I'm also uh, uh, I'm sure it's a Roomba or something in my house <laughs> yeah. that people can see. Um, and I'm just not doing a good job of, of the defense. And I'm I'm and you know I'm, I'm in cyber. Um, it, it is an effort. Uh, however, like uh, Levon tells me all the time, like MFA. <laughs> MFA everything and I was just like no I'm not going to do that like I don't feel like going to, to get a text to, right. do this, to do this right. to do that 100% if right it, if it offers <laughs> take it everyone out there that's listening if you have a device that offers multi-factor authentication use it right don't don't, don't gas Levon up too much though hey that, that is a that is I a, want no trouble direct <laughs> as direct advice if you have multi-factor authentication available to you utilize it especially on any device that has access to other devices like your smartphone that would have account information on it definitely utilize that multi-factor authentication yeah yeah definitely. see ryan see yeah, like, yeah. it's <laughs> coming sorry, come from everybody i'm getting from left and right 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 you don't <laughs> want to invite me back now <laughs> i was gonna say does that help you soak it in now, Ryan? You you okay? You I, I, I do it. I do it. I just I, I just complain every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. But and and, and my my uh, test case is different, right? Because I'm overseas. So anytime I'm VPN and sometimes I'm not VPN in from the same spot. So it's always trying to make sure I'm who I am, right? Um, so I get a lot of text messages to, <laughs> to prove my identity. I'm just like ah, MFA. But uh, I, I mean, even so it's 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 weird, right? So back when I was just uh, uh, hardware when i just built pcs and things of that nature uh you're always apt to do it at work right the people who pay you the money the place where you feel the most pride to do the work you're like i get job satisfaction from doing this and then when you get home you have nothing but spare parts in your garage <laughs> and unfinished projects because you're like i don't do work at how in my home so I, I think the same thing goes with a lot of people when it comes to cyber like I, i'm all apt to protect the uh the network right the, the dodin or the f gig or whatever i'm working on at the time uh the GRSS stack, if that's still a thing, I'm not sure. Um, but when I get home, it's just like, ah, uh, uh, my, my kids have a new uh, device. Do I feel like, do I feel like telling them the importance of securing this device? 
<laughs> and tell them they have a strong password or do I want to watch squid game? Hmm. <laughs> right. But you have to have that proactive approach, right? Cause then uh, it, it stops me from getting swatted. It stops somebody from taking my home over <laughs> and then now my lights are cutting on and off or the doorbell won't stop ringing and things of that nature. So, I mean, it, it goes the full gamut, whether you're doing it at home or you're doing it for your, for your business, uh, cyber defense should be a proactive approach. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, so another analogy for you, right? Say you have your windows right, wide open. Someone's walking down the street, you know, walking down the sidewalk and they stop on the sidewalk and they just stand in front of your window and they look in your house. That's not illegal, right? They're on the sidewalk and your window is open. Whose fault is it that they can see inside of your home, right? If you didn't want them to see, you'd close your window. Right. So, and that's how we have to approach these things. You wouldn't, you would not be comfortable with someone looking inside of your home, you know, just anyone off the street. This is the exact same concept. We should not feel comfortable with our devices being visible to just anyone with an internet connection. In the case of your home, right, someone has to be geographically located where your home is. In terms of your internet facing devices, it could be any of the 7 billion people that are out there that decide maybe I just want to mess with Ryan or LaVon or Shannon because I'm bored. Right. Absolutely. So it's definitely a good rule of thumb. So if you're listening, start securing <laughs> your devices. Um, there, there's lots of steps that we won't get into right now, but I think that'd be an interesting conversation. Maybe I'll do that on Ask a CISP where I talk about how to um, uh, do uh, MAC addressing and things of that nature, like just to secure your devices, take them, take them off of uh, your, uh, your visible network. So right. that's definitely interesting. I appreciate that. And if you are interested, again, CISA.gov has that information posted, has a lot of great information for anyone from the individual user up to, you know, large organizations. If you're out there listening, you know, and you're looking for more resources, more tools to put in your, in your kit, CISA offers a dearth of information on how to address all of these issues that we're seeing. And if you're listening and you're saying, man, that that Gabe guy sounds like he's got it all figured out. He's so smart. I assure you there are more intelligent people at SZA than I am that are writing these products and that can provide you even more detailed expertise on how to make sure that you're not the next victim. Definitely. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely, definitely check out the website. Definitely. Uh, uh, and we'll, we'll go into uh, your personal plugs uh, at the end. So I like, definitely, uh, Check out what, what, what Gabe has going on. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, so I, I think this is definitely an interesting conversation. But I, I kind of want to squeeze a little bit of Friday in here since we got you on, right? So right. You're, you're, you're a listener and whatnot. And uh, just for everybody behind, behind the scenes, right? I'm Arabian Standard Time. Uh, he is EST. I think we have Mountain and we have Pacific all on the same call. So we're, we're stretching it right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're stretching it right now. But, uh, you know, I appreciate everybody for showing up. <laughs> um, so uh, just real quick, uh, throughout the week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, the Missouri um, prosecutor vowing to, uh, to, to get at a hacker of uh, a public website, which 
I don't, it's, it's, it's a case of uh, people not understanding cyber. <laughs> and we definitely want to go into great detail about that one. It seems as though they're attacking the person who found a vulnerability and then just told them about it before disclosing it for them to fix it. But now they're on a witch hunt for this individual. So we'll get into that. Uh, that'll be followed by um, Homeland Security. Um, just talking about how to better um, protect yourself because uh, the, the article actually says Homeland Security warrants of cyber attacks intended to kill people. So we, we touched on this. Uh, if it wasn't last week, it was the week before about the, uh, the infant passing away due to the ransomware attack on a hospital. So this is definitely an initiative that the, the government is definitely vested in and they can see in the future uh, some very um, risky behavior that could lead to uh, quote-unquote kinetic attacks, things of that nature. Like what if somebody's attached to life support and you take out the power? Or what if in this case, the, the infant needed the, the, to be monitored and the monitors were not working? Um, so, you know, cyber definitely has some ramifications on people's lives. Uh, we'll also uh, talk to Levon. He saw some, some, some risky tech out there. We got some, some robotic dogs <laughs> with with guns on their backs <laughs> so we'll talk about that as well just uh a little bit of future skynet that, that may be uh upon us uh but uh before we get into all that stuff throughout the week i definitely wanted to, to pick gabe's brain about uh things such as like um what, it, what you know what are you doing to uh to unwind what are you doing to perhaps you know uh sharpen your skills uh and vulnerabilities uh and what are you watching so, okay. So, <laughs> so to unwind, right. That's, that's a tough one, right? <laughs> Cause um, you know, it's one of those jobs where you can't leave it, uh, you know, at work, especially since, you know, my work is where I am always in, right. Since most of the uh, country right now is working from home. Um, gotcha. So it's sometimes it's difficult to unplug, especially when we're dealing with, uh, events that sometimes don't operate during business hours. So what, what, So typically what I attempt to do, right, is, is I just try to occupy my mind with something else, light reading, you know, maybe I'll catch, you know, Squid Game. Squid Game. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Since everybody else in the world is watching it, maybe I should too. Uh, you know, spend you know spending time with, with those around me people i people i love family you know playing outside going for a run you know i i'm doing my best to make sure i'm maximizing the amount of time the additional time that i don't spend you know commuting right um those two hours a day two plus hours for a lot of people where you're not sitting in the car and you're trapped you know in traffic or now right once work is over, I can immediately go into wind down mode. Um, I'm attempting to do that. Keeping your skills sharp is, is you know, as you all here know, is a constant battle. Um, the landscape changes every day. You wake up and there's a new change. There's a new vulnerability. There's a new threat. And the, the challenge is how do you stay ahead of vulnerabilities and threats? Um, the short, unpopular answer is that might not be possible, um, which is why we need to build in mitigation and resilience. Everything isn't preventable, but we'll mitigate things that we can, and the things that we can't mitigate, we're going to make sure we have that resilience built in so we can recover from 
you know, a negative outcome from a compromise, you know, having encrypted backups off the network, things like that, making sure that we're storing um, privileged accounts on uh, segmenting privileged accounts, make sure we're segmenting, doing network segmentation of different uh, departments within one organization, different things that we can do that if there is, if something does happen, we are able to respond in such a way that maybe they got this little piece, but they didn't get everything. And um, taking that tiered approach to security and not putting all of our eggs into, we just got to prevent it from happening. It'll never happen to us. Um, the short answer is it's going to happen to everyone at some point. It's a matter of time. Someone wants to think of it like a lock on your door. Locks are made to keep people out, but someone really wants to come in, your lock's not going to stop them. Definitely. So, I, I mean, that's great. Uh, great conversation. I mean, we threw some business continuity, some disaster preparedness, squid game. <laughs> Got a little bit of everything, right? <laughs> Got a little bit of everything in there. Um, so it's interesting that you, you brought up work from home. Uh, so seeing as uh, I got a taste of it, right? So I was on the East Coast uh, when the pandemic uh, broke out um, and I was down to 25% manning at one point. So I would show up to work like maybe twice a month. Um, and I felt so much more productive. Like I felt like I was getting so much more done because I didn't have, you know, like you have the water cooler talk and then you have meetings upon meetings upon meetings. A lot of that was mitigated. Uh, but what I did find issue with was uh, shutting it off. I didn't have, like you said, the uh, my commute was an hour and a half. So I'd have that hour and a half of traffic, battling traffic to get back up uh, to uh, to Northern um, Florida uh, as time to start to unwind, listen to podcasts, listen to music, things of that nature. Um, do you have any anything that you can share with the audience of how you kind of can kind of decompress if you can? Like, Because I, I know it's an issue for everybody, but... Uh, now I go back to work again, right? So now I have that commute. Uh, it's only twelve minutes as opposed to an hour and a half, because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm a captive audience, right? But how do you shut the the uh, the work brain off, so to speak? I would say to set time limits, right? Say at this time I'm going to stop, right? Unless someone I'm going to use a you know military turn of phrase, life limb or eyesight. Um, unless that's going on, you know, it'll be there for you tomorrow. There's always going to be work tomorrow. Gotcha. Um, and make sure that you're, when you're unplugging, you're, you're backing away and you're truly unplugging, closing the computer, you know, taking, taking your, uh, your ID with you saying that's enough for today. If there's a true emergency, someone's going to contact me, uh, directly. Um, if you don't do that, you'll always be finding things that you could do. Be, oh, I'm just do it. I'll just do it now. I'll just do it now. Um, which in the beginning, that sounds great because you're being hyperproductive, but at what cost? Um, there's two things in life that are irreplaceable. That's your time and yourself. So if you're not cherishing and, uh, Making and if you're not cherishing those two things and maximizing them to those that deserve it, including yourself, right? Then you are, in my opinion, you're doing it wrong. That's excellent word at the end. Like so, for for all those listening, like read and heed these these words because yeah, I, everybody falls in that trap, right? Like oh, I'll do a little bit more, I do a little bit more, but 
again, you can't get your time back. So that, that's definitely, definitely a, a good um, uh, word to, uh, to conclude this. Um, before we do, anything from Shannon or Devon? No, this this was this was amazing, man. I I love I love this. Uh, I don't want to necessarily call it an interview, but this uh, this day in the life, you know what I mean, type thing we did with the, with Gabe here, man. Really appreciate your time, and I, I very enjoyable. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to steal that day in the life. That's going to probably be the <laughs> thumbnail. So all rights are reserved for the other side of the firewall podcast. <laughs> Patent pending. What about you, Levon? Oh, I I think uh, Shannon stole stole my lines right there. I think that's pretty there much what is. I had to say. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been a great like uh, segment here, just to get a, get a perspective from Gabriel, um, from Gabe here, just to see like you know him being in a uh, a big organization like that that actually handles these these incidents on a regular basis, and uh, just kind of hearing from him. Like I, I understand that I know the the feeling as well as being 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 un- unable to unplug. Um, especially being in a remote state that we are in at the moment, it's hard to kind of disconnect and things happen at all different hours of the day. And so it's hard time. It's hard to like, you know, pull yourself away, especially uh, I find myself sometimes missing meals, uh, you know, without thinking, um, get kind of wrapped up in some things, but uh, this has been a very interesting conversation. And it's good to hear. It. And I'm glad that we had a, a chance to, to speak with Gabe today and um, hopefully, you know, we'll get, get some more conversation in the future. Maybe we'll bring back on if, uh, if, if he has the time or if we have some opportunities. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, I extend this to everybody who we have on the show. Um, if you if your schedule ever meets it, if you ever want to come on and talk about anything in particular, like let's say like there's a new initiative you want to uh, you want to discuss or uh, perhaps you have something like a side project or something you want to discuss, uh, definitely reach out to us. Uh, again, I'm captive audience, right? So I'm, I'm here. <laughs> I got. I don't have much going on, so I would love to jump on that uh, to complete the feeding what we just talked about about unplugging, because <laughs> I don't do that very well. Um, but yeah, any any time, so open invitation. Uh, we greatly appreciate you and your organization for allowing you to uh, to be on the show. Um, before we do our plugs, do you have any of your uh, your own? Absolutely, I'm, I'm I'm glad you extended the opportunity. So, all those listening, uh, it is Cybersecurity uh, Month. Cybersecurity Awareness Month, I should say. Um, we're here at CISA. We're encouraging everyone to be cyber smart. Um, if you'd like more information on that, again, please go to CISA.gov and you can learn all, about all of the different uh, initiatives and projects that we're undertaking here. Um, right now, we're on week three or going into week three, or I should say, um, where we're exploring, exploring, experiencing, and sharing uh, about cybersecurity careers in ways that you can join CISA, uh, uh, excuse me, at CISA, you know, ways to join the initiative of cybersecurity education. Um, so again, please uh, go to CISA.gov and uh, learn more about Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And also uh, while you're there, uh, explore the bad practices uh, webpage that CISA has. It talks about some of the things that you shouldn't do, not necessarily, you know, kind of a different take on, you know, best practices where we outline the things you need to be doing. We're, here, we're highlighting the big no-nos that we're seeing you know, uh, in, in the landscape and encouraging people to not to do these things. Um, and I, I'll, I'll just plug a couple just right off the bat. You know, if you're using the same password for multiple different accounts, 
you know, you're probably doing it wrong. Maybe it's easier to do that, but if it's easier for you, that means it's easier for the bad guys too. Um, also, if you're uh, heavy on social media and you see, you know, a picture or, you know, a survey that asks you, you know, what's your middle name and your birthday and that's your, you know, superhero name. You right. Know, I don't think that that's the intent behind the survey. Maybe you should be skeptical about that. Um, seeing that those are typically, you know, the types of uh, validation questions that you'll get when you're trying to validate your uh, validate your account when you lose your password. So being skeptical of things that are out there, um, especially on social media, being skeptical of social engineering, ensuring that you're not reusing passwords, old passwords, and uh, doing your best to protect yourself and those around you. Um, the very last one is a stopransomware.gov. Uh, and it talks about all the different ransomware variants that are out there and the different, again, the different initiatives that we're undertaking in the federal government to do our best to provide uh, ready and reliable service to, uh, to all of the, the nation. Um, so I know I gave a lot of uh, URLs there, but we want to remember CISA.gov, StopRansomware.gov. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll post them in the description as well. So that way uh, they'll be able to, uh, you know, uh, copy and paste it into their browser. Uh, but yeah, this is an excellent episode. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, as always, thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Devon. Uh, thank you, uh, Gabe. Uh, appreciate your, you and your time as well as your organization for allowing you to uh, spend time with us. Uh, thanks for staying up. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I know our time, our timing is, is crazy, right? But uh, yeah, great conversation. I hope to have you on again. Um, please hit up the website, www.theothersideofthefirewall.com so you can tell our social medias. Um, uh, I'm starting to pare those down a little bit uh, based upon feedback. So leave us your feedback. Please like, share, subscribe. Let us know how you felt about this conversation. If you want to see more of these, uh, this is the plan uh, going forward for Wednesdays. It won't be every Wednesday, but I would like to integrate our discussion with uh, a special guest because I think we get a lot of bang for our buck by uh, by doing so. Um, uh, you can hit me up personally. I'm at RyRy Security Guy. That's R-Y-R-Y Security Guy. Uh, you can hit me up on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, and Twitter. And you, LeVon? Hit me up on the Twitters at LeVon Maynard. There it is. And do you have a, a personal one that you want to share? Or you, you go with what, uh, what, what you've already shared, uh, Mr. Davis? So I am not, I, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm like not one of those social media people so i don't have twitter or my twitter man there you go, <laughs> my man. There you go. <laughs> but, so if you do run across me on linkedin I, I am there there you go so now so you, you everybody heard that uh it's better like it's better to be that way to be secure right but i got a show to sell <laughs> right right so i'm not, I'm not so, telling people don't use social media it is a personal preference that uh i don't find social media be incredibly valuable for my day-to-day activities and right. that's just me if social media is how you make your money or how you communicate with uh family and friends i know that it's a, a big way of how a lot of my family communicates right by all means uh use it safely like you would anything else like you would use a car safely there you go so uh with that uh definitely be safe stay safe stay secure Continue to watch the show.